Hey guys, welcome back to 12 O'Clock Talks. Today we're going to be talking about pastries, bonds, and whether cold food tastes just like hot food. So tune in to the end of the episode to hear last, that last week's riddle answer and this week's new riddle. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the podcast. Alright man, what's up? What's this pastry you're talking about? Okay, so you know how I don't really like desserts all that much? I mean, kind of. You, I've seen you eat a plethora of cherry pie. I, I do like pies. Pie. There are like there's exceptions to everything, but like overall, I'm not really a sweets guy. But I had this thought as I was leaving Sonic. Uh huh. I love people who love to bake and who love to cook because they always want to share it. Ah. And I will always eat the pastry. Like if you were like, I made a bunch of cookies. Do you want one? Even if I don't want a cookie, I'll eat one because it's like it's something you made. I love that. <laughs> I feel like I'm the same way. Is it is it just out of like respect, though? Like I, what if someone's made something you just really hate? I think it is a respect thing, but also more of a a recognition of work that was put in, you know, to take the time. Like you set aside part of your day. To go to the store, get all the stuff you need, start whipping in the kitchen. And, you know, like, I mean, I don't really make cookies, but like, I'm assuming it like 20 minutes in the oven. If it's a cake, probably longer. Like, it could be a full day process, right? And then yeah. you want to share that with me? Yeah, I'm in. And if it sucks, <laughs> I will tell you. But, um, like, it's just like, it's so fun to, like, for people to be like, oh, I made this. Do you want one? absolutely i feel that i uh right. whenever i make my pies or my sausage rolls i'll take them into work or when i was working in the office and people would be nice enough to eat just one even though right? i didn't like the idea of sausage rolls or meat pies okay when hey, walk uh, me through a meat pie okay so um <clears throat> traditionally Right, so you've got pasty. These are all pastries, right? So funny you said I'll eat the pastry. Um, these are all pastry dishes. So, like, for for those listening, right? My family is English. Uh, we moved here from England in um, two thousand one, and so growing up, we've there was a lot of culturally English things we did, and one of those things was um, eating a lot of pastry dishes, whether it was sausage rolls or meat pies or pasties or whatever they may be, right? But um typically like your meat pie is your leftovers from like a sunday roast whether it's or your christmas dinner or anytime you do a roast and you have like a leg of like a say a leg of lamb or you've got a a joint of ham or you know turkey bones left over what you'll do is you'll take the bones and you'll just boil them for like you know 12 to 16 hours and you get this nice like broth and you get all this leftover meat that's then strained off. And then what you do is you take that broth and you make it into like this. You add some flour into it until it thickens a bit. And then you pour it over a combination of, you know, whether it's ham and turkey or ham, you know, whatever it may be. And you've already, you've laid out a puff pastry and then like an eight by 10 dish, right? You've rolled it out, lay it out. And then you take your your ham or your turkey or your filling, whatever it is, and then you pour this, you know, this mixture over it that was, you know, essentially broth at that point. And then you've got meat pies. And so you have essentially another meal from your meal. And a lot of it stems from actually, it was interesting to learn um, from World War II when, you know, England was getting bombed and there was rations and everything. <laughs> it's funny. I saw a joke the other day and said, um, why do why do English people still eat like it's World War II? And it's like because it's all potatoes and carrots <laughs> and broccoli and like you're still you're still you're still eating malt vinegar and we're known for not seasoning anything. Um, yeah, but so the OK, easy. The idea well, the idea is just to essentially like, you know, make the most out of what little you have. And so whilst roast dinners are relatively simple, you know, turkey, potatoes, peas, carrots, broccoli, whatever it may be, um, you make the most of it. You don't let anything go to waste. And so that's just kind of how how I've grown up eating leftovers and make meat pies. It was funny when I was um, 
Sydney's, uh, my fiance Sydney, her, her family said, Jack, what's your favorite kind of pie? Because I was going over there for Thanksgiving and I look them dead in the eye and I go meat pies and the look on like absurdity on their face was just really funny like because I didn't know what I genuinely like meat pies are my favorite kind of pies I was I wasn't expecting to have to say like you know cherry or strawberry or blue you know I just genuinely like meat pies do you call dessert pies a different term than pie we just still pie I've never had a dessert pie before going to an American Thanksgiving. I say American Thanksgiving before going to a Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> like, it just wasn't a thing growing up. You know, maybe like apple crumble or something like that, which is, I guess, what you would... I guess it's kind of like an apple pie. But it's... Yeah, no. If anything, we had like tarts. Question, no. And this... This is going to be controversial. Dude, Marmite... Marmite sucks. <laughs> like, like it's not good. It's just so bad. I don't like what. Oh man. Like how how do you get to the point where you're just eating spoonsfuls of rotten wheat? That's what it is, right? It's just like old yeast and wheat. While I'm explaining it, you look up what marmite is, and then that way you can tell the people of the world. Um, that's a good. Qu- you're just raised on it, man. You're just raised on it, and some people like it, and some people don't. Um, there's actually like these these English snacks called Twiglets that my dad used to get, and they are essentially it's just um, essentially it's like pretzels with Marmite coating on them, and they are just so good. But growing up, I would have like Marmite toast and scrambled eggs before soccer games, or you know Marmite on apples. <laughs> It sounds so weird, but Marmite on apples, it's like the savory and sweet. Like, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just good, man. It's what you grow up with, like that Branston pickle. Like, I don't know. Some Marmite on a, Marmite on a sandwich with some cheddar cheese and some hams, just unrivaled. So I'm on, I'm on the Wikipedia page. Do you know the Marmite slogan? I don't know the Marmite slogan. No. It is love it or hate it. <laughs> that, that is that, that's their marketing scheme is you're either gonna love this or you're gonna hate us and you like, there's and no there's no mediocre marmite fans oh, you, and they don't make, let you you can make marmite broth so when when i'm feeling you can Ill, make mistakes every day in your life and that sounds like one of them <laughs> it's not a mistake man look you can make um marmite broth is that like it's like marmite tea essentially what you do is get a like a teaspoon of marmite or whatever it is and just like essentially dunk a spoon in marmite and then put it in boiling water, and you just drink it straight. And it's so nice. <laughs> like before she bed. see my face. <laughs> before bed. Or like if you're not feeling well, it's like really, really good for your throat. And yeah. It's you like know, English. all of your, all of the, not your, the English, like traditional things. Yeah. Come from world wars. Yeah. Yeah. Because you would eat Marmite to boost your vitamin consumption because... Um, a vitamin B deficiency was common during World War One. Yeah, hey, that makes sense. And the phrase, "Why do the English eat like they're in a world war?" hits again. Yeah. Eating it up, get me out of it. Like, uh, whatever we got. I feel like the day after Thanksgiving could be a kitchen sink meal. Okay, I'd agree with that. And then you're making <laughs> yeah, a, a sandwich out of green bean casserole, coleslaw, and I feel like those, those are the best sandwiches, meat. though. 
Oh, they're unmatched. Like it <laughs> kind of so sucks. Tight. You have to go through Thanksgiving to get to Thanksgiving leftovers. Oh man, favorite. Could you imagine if you could just buy the leftovers? We should just sell leftovers. Like cook meals, eat a little bit of them, box them up, and then bring them to the store to sell. What is it about having food sitting in the refrigerator make that makes it better? I like you know you, you've got. Thanksgiving dinner, right? It sits in the fridge overnight, and then all of a sudden, the next morning, you wake up, and it's just, it, it's elite. Yeah. Like, okay, this may be controversial, but cold casserole it hits different. Are you a cold food guy? I'm a big cold food guy, man. I don't I'm like using that microwave. Uh-huh. Like, oh, wait, so you reheat pizza every time? Yeah. What? Yeah. I um, Dude, I put it. I put it on a, a plate. And then I wet a paper towel and then put it over the pizza and then microwave it. Shenanigans. And then it like the moisture from the paper towel keeps it from tasting like cardboard. <sighs> Semi fresh pizza in no. seconds. No. If you're gonna do if you're gonna reheat it, you may as well just put it in the oven. Well that defeats the purpose of the microwave pizza. Like, yeah, I'll put it in the oven if I have the time. I got a minute and a half. Then just grab Grab it and go. Why, why are you going to wait a minute and a half for something to be piping hot? Like, that cheese is going to be runny. The crust is soggy. Like, it's not going to taste any different. You may as well just eat it cold. It's going to taste worlds different. One's hot, it, one's cold. It's literally opposites. That, the, the, like, the temp- we learned that temp- in second grade there, Jackie. The temperature of a food does not affect the taste. Oh, absolutely. It that does. is absurd. You're telling me cold ice cream and liquid ice cream taste the same? Yeah, it's the same flavor. I want to say no. <laughs> the exact same flavor, man. Let, let's let's ask the people, the um, the thirty-seven people who are indulging our antics, right? Does hot food taste the same as cold food? I I really think no. Can you please define your logic here? Because it doesn't make sense. It's the same because food. a fresh cookie tastes different than a cookie that's been sitting out. No, it's the same flavor. But they taste different. No. Because I think no, this the texture texture goes into taste, right? No. I think so. What are, like, what are the four cornerstones of cooking? Like, texture's got to be one of them. Are there four cornerstones of cooking? Let's see. There's got to be. Someone's got to no, come up with no, something. No, no. Look, okay, so Dave, right? Your ice cream example was actually really good until you realized it was not in your favor. So, <clears throat> you have mint chocolate chip, uh, chip ice cream, right? Right. You've gone to the store. You've picked it out. You're looking forward to eating it, okay? And yeah. you eat eat it that night. And it tastes like what? What's the flavor of that ice cream that you're eating? Whichever one you you buy. Mint, mint chocolate chip ice cream, right? Yeah. If you leave that same ice cream on the counter and then for some reason end up drinking it for breakfast. <laughs> Wait, can you imagine drinking <laughs> melted ice cream for breakfast? Uh, anyway, um, what flavor is that that melted ice cream? I think you what can't flavor, change but, you can't what, change the label. But it does taste different. No, it feels different. Two different things. I feel like I I think I'm right, and I'm not gonna back down. But I have no argument. You're a lawyer. You know this isn't how this works. <laughs> this this is just not how this works. Closing closing arguments, Mr. Rice. I am on a food website. No, that, that's not how this works. We don't just we don't just Google. It says things. okay. So he, here's the thing, and this is what I'll concede. Okay. Texture and taste are different. Yes. But they complement each other. Okay. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And so, while it may not affect the actual "quote unquote" flavor of the food. It does affect the quality. Okay, yeah. 
I can get behind that. But it still tastes the same. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I do think I do think I think the quality of the food is a good thing because it could taste great, but if the quality is bad, does it really taste great? Or are you just disappointed with it? Um no, it still tastes the same. Just like soggy fries, right? They taste the same. They just you know they're soggy, not crispy. They're just disappointing. Yeah. That's but that doesn't mean they taste different. Actually, you know what? Soggy McDonald's fries taste different than regular ones. Like, cold ones taste different than hot ones. So this article says that while it may not actually affect the taste of the food, if you change the texture of the food, you can trick your brain into thinking the food tastes either more or less sweet or salty. Ooh. So yeah, while that. it may not be different, the texture can have a like psychological effect into you thinking it tastes different, which might be the ice cream thing is like, I think it tastes different because it's melted because it doesn't taste like ice cream, but it's really just the texture. You know what? I could get behind that. I think I could get behind that. It's probably tastes sweeter. Yeah, because it's a, a soup. Yeah, not not cold. Yes. OK. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Anecdotally, I think it works, and I don't think it works any other way. I think you can feel like it tastes different, but it tastes the same. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I, I want to know if other people are on the like on the texture effects taste train because I'm that might be a hill I'm willing to die on. Die, just pure die? spite. Die, <laughs> and they die. Die. You're gonna die. This is what you're. This is what you're gonna die for. Yes. Okay. If All not right. me, then who, Jack? <laughs> Nobody cares, Dave. <laughs> this isn't. You can create your own Wikipedia page. You can actually add to that wiki page. That's the beauty of Wikipedia. You can change things. Oh, I, I am. I'm gonna do an independent study inside myself. No, uh, no evidence of bias here. Nope. In the discussion, it says it's going to be a zero blind test, and I know everything that's going on, but I'm going to give my opinion on it. It's like when googling, like, okay, so Sid will do this thing where um, she knows I'm right with what I'm saying, but she'll Google something, and the answer will be the first one to pop up on Google, right? And it'll mm -hmm. be exactly what I'm saying, and then she'll scroll past it looking for something that matches her answer <laughs> to, to what we're arguing about. Hey. So it's like, the sky is blue. Well, occasionally it's purple. Well, see, I told you occasionally it's purple. <laughs> it's oh, like, I, love, I love some good, solid confirmation bias. Love it. Um, you know what I'm finding is actually like the core of most literature reviews. Like, all you're trying to do is find things that substantiate your hypothesis. Yeah. Like, if you didn't do the experiment yourself, you could, like, backdoor prove anything. Well, yeah, that's, like, isn't that, I, mean, I feel like that's the core of most, like, modern debates now. It's like, look at these four statistics. I've, I've always been infatuated by stats, right? Because four different people can look at the same statistic and have four different interpretations of it. And then all think they're right because they're citing one statistic. I I got a I got into an argument with my dad. Um oh probably four or five months ago. Like it was a while ago. About how so he's an engineer by trade. He's no longer an engineer, but he loves numbers. And I got into an argument with him about how numbers can be skewed. Like you can make numbers say what you want them to say if you know how to work them. Right? Right. And so, like, the scenario was whether or not a street needed a speed bump put on it. And basically, there's, like, a threshold. If so many cars are going X miles per hour over the speed limit of that street, then you have to put in a speed bump. 
And so what they'll do is they'll send a crew out and like clock cars for their day. You know, whenever they like run that strip across the street, you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And so they're doing that. Well, on the street in particular, there's a curve on it. Like, and it's not super sharp, but it's sharp enough that it forces you to slow down. And so they did it right before the curve and right after the curve. Like, both, like, beginning and end, like, both sides of the curve is where they laid their, like, speed strips. And they came up with the number that nobody was speeding on the street because they were all slowing down for this curve. But, like, on the other sides of this curve are, like, two straightaways where people gun it afterwards. But it's technically one street, and technically no one was speeding in these two spots. So what was the argument? So the argument was, like, while the numbers do say nobody is speeding, I think they, like, due to the placement of the speed strips, you got the numbers you wanted. You got the numbers that um, do not require you to put in a speed bump. Which costs money. Which costs money. Interesting. And so it was just a fun thing for us to be like, well, numbers don't lie. And I was like, well, you, you can. You can do whatever you want. Like, if I did it right before a stop sign, it's going to show everybody's going five or like 20 miles below as they're slowing down. But if I do it in the middle of the straightaway, people may be speeding. So that, that was just kind of like my stats, my stats uh, soapbox. Like stats are interesting and I think numbers are important, but I think people need to learn where the numbers are coming from first. Well, they need to be contextualized, right? Like yeah. all numbers, like it's not the it's not the number itself; it's the context in which the number is generated. Like, there's yeah. no so it's the whole. There's a there's a not debate, but like, and I'm probably gonna get this wrong. Like, it's the epistemology of positivism, which is confirming and using numbers in lab settings to confirm things, right? So, like. We can study plants in a lab environment and extrapolate that data outside of it and understand like how the plant genes are working and everything. Like, so we can have like a basic rudimentary understanding of what's going on. Mm -hmm. But then the other, there's another epistemology called post-structuralism, or is it a theory? I'm not a paradigm, maybe whatever, whatever it's called, right? Um, and the post-structural paradigm says that like positivism is wrong in the sense that you can't just do something in a lab and then ex expect the same results in the real world. You're dehumanizing, <clears throat> you're dehumanizing what's happening. And then I'm Makes in the middle, sense. like, well, why can't we just have both? Like you need, you need, you <laughs> need, you need, yeah. No los dos? You <laughs> need positivists. Like you need to be able to communicate with positivists and positives needs to be a, positivists need to be be able to communicate with post-structuralists but they're both like no we're right no we're right mm -hmm. like post-structuralism is like it kind of stems from marxist theory and like power dynamics in society and that is just like as a, as a social theory and then positivism's like no everything's objective it's like you're like a jordan peterson versus like a michelle foucault like completely Jordan Peterson's like, well, this, this trait, this trait, this trait, this trait, this statistic, this statistic, this statistic, this statistic, and therefore this is happening. Right. And then so be honest with you, I did not catch either of those names. I don't think I know who they are. Jordan Peterson. Yeah. He write he writes, uh, he wrote 12 rules, 12 rules for life. Yeah. I've never if, read it. If you look him up, you'll find some pretty controversial stuff. Um, he was the um, professor who was opposing Bill C-16. And, oh, that guy? Yeah. That and guy then, is controversial. He says some con wild things. Yeah. and But he says it very objective. Like, everything he says is, like, very, it, uh, it seems objective. Like, or he thinks it's objective, right? So I think that's understand. the best way. He thinks yeah, it's objective. Yeah, thinks, he thinks what he's saying is objective. And it's yeah. being perceived by others in a way that's you know, offensive or whatever. Yeah. And who was the and other person? Michel Foucault. So Michel Foucault is kind of the, the post-structuralist who says that he wrote, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his, his, like his piece. Essentially he, he assumes that, um, 
there are power dynamics that exist within society based on every single relationship. Um, and he specified in, in just in sex in general. And so he, there's a lot of post-structural work, but one of the, one of the most interesting ones is this idea called panopticism. And it's this idea that the easiest way to describe it is you're in a small town in Texas, right? And there's a red light. There's nobody else around, but you stop. Why do you stop? Stop sign or the red light. Right. So it's what we're conditioned to do. Right. And so this idea of panopticism in society is that there is this omnipresent power constantly monitoring us in our actions in order for us to do the right thing as deemed by the powers that be. So that's his stance. Mm, okay. So it's not that stopping is necessarily the correct thing. It's just the thing that people do. Correct. Well, it's the thing. Well, according, yeah, according to the panopticism, it would be, it is the thing that we have been told to do and therefore we do it. Yeah. Right. Common sense would say go through the red light because there's no one else here, but we don't, we stop. Have and you it, ever been in that situation? It's like a red light that won't change. Oh, I guess. Usually like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., you're trying to get home and it just stays red. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, just, I know I if I run it, I'm going to get lit up. Like there's got to be a cop somewhere. So you just sit there feeling silly. Let me be honest with you, man. I run those red lights. Oh, really? Yeah, Sid gets mad at me. I'm like, dude, there's no one else around. I need to turn left. I'm going to turn left. Screw this. I'm going. Oh, man. I am so the opposite. I will sit there for a year. <laughs> that like, doesn't surprise me, though. Like, you, you're not in a rush to do anything. Even when you're in a rush, you're not in a rush. Yeah. You don't have but a I'd... go switch. No, I like it. Because you'll get there. My okay. thing is that, like, if I get pulled over, I'm going to be so mad. Who's saying it was just for though? being impatient and I get pulled over, I'm going to be even more mad at myself. That's why I don't speed either. It's like, what am I saving? Like, five minutes, maybe? So, I, I've dialed it back on the speeding. Because when you look at the math, it doesn't make sense. You're going to get somewhere no. maybe like 10 minutes quicker on a four-hour drive, maybe. Maybe. And if you get pulled over, you're now an hour late because it takes those cops forever to do their job. And $300 in the hole. Yeah, like the cost-benefit analysis. Whoa. Wrong. Whoa. You threw that in there. Oh, yeah. Can you explain what a cost-benefit analysis benefit analysis so, is? So basically, it comes from I I learned from it through tort theory, which is a specific section of law. And basically, it is if I, an example would probably be better. So let like let's say you have a situation where you have a bunch of kids playing next to a factory. And there's heavy machinery running around, and there's nothing like dividing the work areas with the heavy machinery and the kids' playground that is next door. And so, the the cost of a making a fence to keep kids out would run the company, let's say, two thousand dollars. Like it's not even a big fence; like it's minuscule. But the detriment to the kid would technically be, or, or could theoretically be the kid's life if they got run over by a big machine or something fell on them or something crazy happened, right? So the cost-benefit analysis is like, well, you should have spent the $2,000 to prevent death. And then the yes. inverse of that is, let's say there's a really small chance that um, you have a ship and the outside of the ship is made out of material A. And material A is significantly cheaper than material B and you find out that material B is better, but only by like 5%, but it's 800% more expensive. So like if someone was like, well, you should have used material B because it would have prevented the accident that happened. You can go, it was such a small chance that this accident happens and it was so expensive to prevent it that it doesn't make sense on a business scale to even contemplate doing that. Like, until the cost of material B goes down, 
like 5% isn't worth us changing our shipbuilding techniques. Does that make sense? Yeah, I've never thought of uh, CBAs being used in law. <laughs> like, I never thought that that would be something you would learn in law school. Oh, it's like day one. That's super interesting. What's tort? So a tort is a a civil liability or a civil action. You know, like, like in criminal law, if you punch someone, that could be considered assault or battery. And then in civil court, if you punch someone, that could be assault or battery. But instead of going to jail, you now owe money. Oh. That That's was fair. like all of my, my tort professor, if she ever heard that, would be so mad at that definition. She'd like, send this to her. Oh, she's gonna be so mad. She's like this kid. But it's just like it's just like a wrongful act. Oh, okay. Like So what's the difference between that and like small claims court? Or do you take torts to small claims court? You can take torts to small claims court. Small claims uh, court, yeah. the the big difference is just the amount of money at stake. Oh, like if it's five hundred dollars okay. for you to hire an attorney, go to actual like district court. Not to say small claims court is not a real court. It is a court. It's a binding court. It's real. But it doesn't make sense. You wouldn't get any money out of it. You would have, you'd be wrapped up in so many legal fees that, like, why? And so then you just go to small claims court, complain about whatever you're mad about, and then the judge makes a decision. Hmm. <clears throat> so, like, small disputes between you and a landlord. Yeah. Or, oh, okay. Yeah. Or yeah. like if you were mad at your neighbor for like breaking your fence and you wanted them to rebuild your fence. And they didn't want any money so that you could rebuild your fence. The fence is sense. only worth five hundred bucks. Like no attorney is gonna take that. There's no money in it. So then so, the judge you pretty much represent yourself and the judge decides? Yeah. Oh, cool. I feel like that just as far as I know. Yeah, it could be fun. Just to try it out. Hey, I'm going to take you to small claims court. Why? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's just, rat, like, the courts aren't busy enough. You know, no, there's no, like, huge backlog of cases trying to be filed from COVID and all the court shutdowns. So we might as well just keep filling that them is, up with That is claims. insane. We are, we're seeing that in the in eviction court. You can't, like, it's so difficult to get people evicted. Cannot get people evicted. And people have, like, $12,000, $13,000, balances. Is it yeah. because of COVID? There's just like because the courts went on lockdown. Yeah, it's super backed up. Wow. Jeez. Um. Whenever I was working at the Dallas court, I know some of the some of the matters wanted jury trials, and they are set like two years in advance, like two to three years in advance. Like, so what do you do? Just wait. It, like, so you just what? What if you like kill someone? Right, but you're still you're innocent. That's different. Criminal is different. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's like criminal courts and civil courts. There's pretty big distinctions between them. Oh, okay. Wait, if you're innocent until proven guilty, why do you why do you sit in jail until your court date? Um, because bail is an infringement on poor people. Can you explain that? So, if you can't afford bail, you have to sit in jail, and if you are poor, you probably can't afford bail, so you have to sit in jail until they prove you innocent. But why are there bail? Why why is bail a thing? To like it, it I really don't know. I I think it's in theory to ensure people show up to court appearances. So like if you ever have to make bail, you give the the jail money or the court money. I think it's to jail. I'm such. I'm so not in the criminal realm. I'm speaking way out of my bubble. But you give them money, and basically the money is a promise that you'll show up to the the court hearing. And then okay, once so you show up, you get the money back. How old do you think the idea of bail is? How outdated do you think this is? Give me a just a ballpark guess. Off the top of my head, probably yeah. pre England sending people to Australia. Okay, so keep going. Give me a give me a year. Give me a year. What do you think? Fourteen hundreds. Twelve seventy five. 
Jeez. Yeah, so like, we're, it's we're, such we're still... a, a barbaric system. Yeah, so this is actually really interesting. There's always been a relationship between money and the ability to stay out of jail. Um, essentially, yeah. if you could pay enough, you could get out of jail. So wealthy elites in the in the 1300s, right, could pay mm-hmm. for their kids to get out of jail. Or, you know, if they killed a commoner, they're out of jail. They get on a horse, they ride across to the next town. They're good. Yeah. And it, it's still a thing. Okay, so <laughs> this is circle up to 1984 right with the bail reform act of 1984 now this is in england so i'm I'm not sure what it's like probably very similar in the u.s right and this is called a reform right so you'd think that they would reform it in a way that um allowed you know people of poorer populations to be more accommodated to right right that would make sense that's Mm -hmm. what you think when you hear reformation no it it just gives the court the ability to deny bail to people who pose a danger to the community to the community which is completely subjective it created more categories for individuals who weren't eligible for bail yeah and it established the necessity of bail um, hearings for any person it's kind of like if you want to be judgment proof like i think someone said this in my first year it's like if you want to not be able to be sued for, and this is for civil cases, not for criminal. Yeah, just be poor. Just don't have money. Like it's just it's super sad, but it's like if you want to not be able to be sued, just be not have any connection to any sort of wealth, because then they have nothing to go after. And then what do they do? They just drop cases or what? Um. So yeah, bail sucks. Super. Uh. Super ancient archaic and should probably be reformed at some point is that where we uh left off yeah i okay. also i also think that like oh, i got so many thoughts it's not even worth it. it's just gonna go i'm gonna spiral do it let it ride it's, i think <laughs> okay so did you know that there are like for-profit prisons uh i didn't know that no so certain states allow what is quote quote unquote called a for profit prison. Basically the way it works is these independent people will open up prisons and then the state will give them X amount of dollars per inmate. And then based upon the status of that inmate, they can get more money. Well, since they're not government run facilities the like sword the like monitoring of them and the standards and regulation of them is super bad like it's just crappy and so they will overpopulate these prisons in the pursuit of money and then like make people's living conditions just unbearable and it is it should be a crime own one of those things like it i i don't think we should privatize prison yeah like, that's sh- sick okay yeah this is really interesting so why why is this a thing <clears throat> um i don't know i from a little bit i think it was due to probably like a lack of resources and the state just needed help but now it's turned into a mess. Like it, it, it should have just been a like bail us out for a little bit, and then we're gonna buy the prison from you or something. But it's turned into its own business model, and it's really sad. And if you've never really like looked at like for profit prisons, take take a ten minutes, Google them. Just. Terrible. So, the five largest for-profit prisons are run by the same prison. I can't believe this is a thing. A prison management company. Yeah. And two of the five. One is for immigrant detention. Oh, beautiful. Uh, uh, two of them are. Two of them for immigrant detention. One is for psychiatric offenders. And 
Wow. Yeah, man, why? That should not be a th I feel like that shouldn't be a thing. Right? We say that, we don't know anything about it, but, you know, what? No, I don't think it should be a thing. I think, I don't think private people should profit on keeping other humans in cages. But the government should? Well, at that point, I don't think the government's profiting on it, right? Because yeah. they are paying for everything. And then you can get into the tax dollars. I was just blah, about blah, to blah, say, blah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, like, the prison system has a lot of problems. Like, if you think it's a rehabilitary system and people go into prison and leave ready to, like, be better on society, get your head out of the sand. But, like, it, it's just not developed and it's not designed to honestly really help people. But then to go even deeper in the mud and let other people profit on that? Oh. Uh, disgusting. Yeah, we've got the Federal Bureau of Prisons that signed a 10-year contract with this Geo Group. And that is the that is the management company of managed prison management company. That's insane. Um mm -hmm. prison management company of the top 5 or four of the five largest for-profit prison institutions. So the government, and speaking of cost-benefit analysis, it is minimal savings to the taxpayer using this model. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're still, like, the government is paying them to keep yeah. everybody. Yeah, so you may as well just do it yourself. Yeah. Have you seen the, um, what do you think of the, I, this, I feel like this just went viral on Instagram or Twitter or something like that, and that's where I saw it, so I don't know. I haven't done too much research into it, but like the rehabilitation um, model in, in Scandinavian countries, where they do, like they try and provide like an education and like adequate living conditions, and it's like almost like prisons or little apartments, essentially. Maybe. And the focus the focus is purely on rehabilitating them into society. Because what is the like the net benefit of keeping somebody in prison for sixty years? Like what 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 there's no benefit to that. But if they can go back out into society and be a tax paying citizen. Mm hmm You know, I feel like that's that's more beneficial. Yeah. No, I agree. And it and like you just get you serve your time, you get out, and then you are just like thrown to the wolves. Oh, dude! And you go, me of Shawshank. Yeah, and you're like, well, why didn't they get a job? It's like, well, because everyone's scared to hire them. They didn't. Yeah. What? Be like, be better. Well, why? Mm. Why they go back to doing the same stuff? It's like because that's they had to survive. Like people got to eat. But no. Uh, Whatever. It's like, like who's, it, who's people them up from prison? The p same people, the same people who got them there in the first place. They go back right. to the same house in the same neighborhood where they the crimes are committed. They don't have a job. You know, yeah. they don't it, like, have access to transportation because the public infrastructure for transportation sucks. Yeah, there's there's no affordable housing, and if there is affordable housing, it's difficult to get with a criminal record. Yeah, you get a minimum right. wage job maybe with a criminal with a criminal record. Your lack of education bars you from doing anything. Your lack of work experience, you have a 10-year gap on your resume because you can't get a job. Mm -hmm. You've been in prison for 10 years. Yeah, it's and every insane. time someone runs their background check, they can't. you can't live there. Because yeah. of something you did 10 years ago? Yeah. Yeah, super... Uh, seems like a wacky system to me. Yeah, and like, little, especially for... Wacky. Yeah, it just it's just frustrating. And you want? I just hit my desk. Um, with my knee, not like out of anger. Like I just bumped it, and now my knee hurts. Your knee always hurts, dude. Um, indoor yeah. game today. Yeah, I we were playing some guys, mm -hmm. and you could tell they used play to a game play. without another team. Well, thank you, Jack. I really appreciate you, but. These two guys, I think they used to play maybe college. I don't know. Okay. But I think they were younger than me by a little bit. And they had another guy on their team who, like, was a friend of theirs, but, like, didn't really play, but was just, like, he was probably, like, the football friend. Like, he was an athlete, 
but didn't play soccer specifically. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we all know the type. Dude, I saw this guy. Like, I got, he hit me so hard, I fell for three seconds. Like, I contemplated my life. It is a D League, like, adult, nobody's in shape kind of a thing. And I went tumbling. Did you go shoulder to shoulder with him, or what? Like, what? Did you just run into him? No, he came through my back. (laughs) And I just saw the sky. I just flew. Like, were you going up for a header, or did no. he just run through you? I was, there was, a, they played a ball to my feet, and he just came through. It was, like, off the wall, and he came through and, like, swept my feet, and I just was horizontal with the, the earth. Dude, I'd be so mad. Oh, I, la- I laid on the ground and just laid there starfished. <laughs> I just, I couldn't believe that happened in a, a D Did he get a card? Did he get a yellow card? No, heck no. Of course not. Wow. Yeah. But I, that's uh, to say my body is in pain today. So I'm playing on three teams right now. And so Monday mornings are very rough for me. And I didn't notice like how um, in shape we were in college until now. Because it, like, it's hard to get out of bed on Mondays. Like even just for doing minuscule things. Like playing a 40 minute game. Like, I can't get out of bed. My legs yeah. hurt. My shins hurt. My calves hurt. My knees hurt. My back hurts. We're only 25, man. Imagine what it's going to be like at 30, 35, 40. <laughs> it's going to be so bad. I'm hoping they invent, like, Terminator limbs, and I can just be part robot. Boston Dynamics has invented some of those. But they're all for military applications. Shh. Top secret. Well, let's make them for <laughs> For David application, so I can get new knees. <laughs> they make wanna... uh, steroid shots for that. Yeah, just lots of steroid shots. Eventually, mm, there we go. Eventually, your knee just falls apart, and you get a new one. True. So hopefully, when you work for that big law firm or whatever, when you're older, you can afford a new knee or two. Dude. Get yeah. two while you're at it. I'm a, you buy one, get one. Right? <laughs> Are they gonna ask the doc if they're on sale? Can you imagine walking to a plastic surgeon? All right, hey, uh, welcome in, Dave. Today we have a buy one, get one free. Buy one hip, get one hip free. Oh, yeah, don't mind if I do. You know what's dumb? I, there's probably health reasons, but when my mom got her hip replaced, the doctor wouldn't let me sign it. You Why? Asked sign, you asked to sign your mom's hip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because I thought it'd be cool. It was like, if we all, like, you know, you sign a cast, like, before they put the new bionic hip in her. I didn't know you, your mom it. got her hip replaced. Yeah, she got it replaced uh, when I was in high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, no. I wanted you. to sign her hip and then her walker. And I should have done this. I just got lazy and didn't do it. But I wanted to put racing stripes and, like, flames coming off of it. So then anywhere she went, she was just obnoxious, like, with bells and, like, could never hide it because she was really, like, didn't want people to, like, take notice of it. So I was like, let's just make it obnoxiously loud. Did you ever put, did you ever tape a card, a piece of cardboard to the back of your bike under the frame to make it sound like it was a lot louder than it was? Yeah. Like the, the playing card. Yeah. 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 Not me. I was just wondering if you were one of those kids. Oh, I, for sure. If, I figured you were. For sure. But yeah, I was not one of those kids. Just for everyone listening, I did not do that. You're a liar. I didn't. I did. I didn't. I thought it was the most ridiculous thing. Mm. Um. Wait, did you have pegs on your bike? No. No. Why would I? Have, I had a mountain bike and I rode by myself. I didn't have any friends who liked riding bikes with me. Oh. I wasn't in one. Dude, of those cool I had a friend games. group in elementary school. We would. We'd all meet at the park, okay. and then we got really good at swinging, like swings on a on a swing. Yeah, how like, good can you get? Oh, dude, swing? we were doing like like one eighty backflips off of it. We were trying to hit doubles, no handed backflips, front flips off of the swing. We got like oddly really good at it. That's all we did. We'd go to the park, swing, and then see what ridiculous thing we could do off of it. Okay, I I sorry. 
for those listening and can't see David, David is a what six foot two, right? Yeah, six foot two. Yeah, Dave, something like that. You you are one of the goofiest guys I've ever seen, like coordination wise, right? Watching you run is possibly one of my favorite things to do. It's just so comedic. But fast. I can't. <laughs> got a long stride. Yeah, that's one thing. <laughs> I cannot imagine you being any form of acrobatic and i mean that in the, like i mean that in the nicest way possible man dude like, i used just, to be able to do a standing backflip no way i learned it for our powder puff game not a chance i was a cheerleader i i wouldn't I, I, i'm not believing that until i see some sort of evidence i'll, I'll text the coach well maybe not i don't think she would respond <laughs> <laughs> out of falling out with the coach yeah okay we won't go into details no there's no reason to talk about it but <laughs> <laughs> she she is probably um, not my biggest fan that's of fair. a human being it's probably a lot of people like that for both of us yeah that's okay though who but why, she why was, yeah but it was like it was kind of cool to do one i didn't land it super great like i would land and then like be super close to full rotation and then kind of land on the balls of my heel and have to like step forward and like chicken wing to get my balance. But I could get around. Get around the. Like my whole body would spin. Let's see. That's impressive. I only ever did the backflip where you like just kind of fell off the back of it and landed, you know, uh, where you just threw yeah. your legs above you. Yeah. Yeah. No. I was more of the I was the kid who climbed at the top of the slide, mm. on on top of the covered slide. Yeah, that was that was me. Oh, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I used to, I used to climb up in my friends' trees and wait for them to get home with an airsoft gun, and I would shoot them with an airsoft gun. How long would you wait? Uh, a good minute. <laughs> That's some dedication, man. Uh, dude, I would just sit there like I would be waiting. And then as soon as they'd, they'd walk home with all of my other friends, funnily enough, they would all walk around together. I just didn't know, you know, where they were or what they were doing. I'm sure I'm sure that it was just coincidence. And uh, I would just shoot all of them with airsoft guns. Nice. Yeah. Did you have that one with the, the CO2? Dude, I had so many airsoft guns growing up. Dude, those that's CO2 spent, ones kind of hurt. all of my money on. Yes, I had one of the CO2 ones. I had plenty. I had two of the CO2 ones, actually. I I can see that for you, actually. Kind of picturing it. Yeah, little menace. Taking yeah. out my angst on people. I'm just just in general. People just try to get home. Dude, yeah. <laughs> you like, just light them I, up. I, I am just the biggest inconvenience, honestly. Still to this who, day. Who is that guy in... Freshman year dorms who would post up with his airsoft gun and shoot you as you're like in that little courtyard area. I don't know, but I remember it started an airsoft war in the dorms. Yeah. And you just couldn't go anywhere without it. Just like your hallway, hauling. Was, your hallway was a war zone. Yeah. I couldn't go pee. Like yeah. I had to like bring out like a sheet to cover and I was across this like across the hallway from the bathroom and I would just get lit up. I remember Preston bought the uh, CO2 guns. He did for self defense. <laughs> yeah, and then like, and then the, <laughs> the resident directors uh raided the dorm rooms. They did a they did a it was like they were the uh oh my gosh, what are what, what's it called? The firearms, drug and alcohol. It's isn't that ATF. Time. ATF, yeah, alcohol, tobacco, firearms. It's like they did ATF raids on our, uh, on our dorm rooms. Where, where are the, where are the guns? Where are the guns? We don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, man, what good old days? Am I right, dude? How I just <laughs> the fact that we went to a Christian university. Yeah, with no more than twenty five hundred people, and this stuff happened, and we didn't get like. I, it just blows my mind. Well, we almost did. Yeah, yeah. We all wait for did. another day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe after the podcast becomes mildly <laughs> successful, we can talk about that before we were in our careers. 
Jeez, man. What a time. Oh, my goodness. So you'll eat the pastry? Dude, I will. If you make it, I will try it. Okay. Well, that's good to know. It's like, like no thank you bite. Yeah. But. And I. Yeah. Like, if you make it, I'll try it. I, I just. Going back to. I just re- respect it. Respect the effort. I think that's admirable. I also just like food. little Hansel over here. Yeah. Dude, that witch would have got me. <laughs> but you don't like sweets. But I'd, I'd try it. I would go in and try it. I probably, yeah, I wouldn't have gotten so fast. She threw me in an oven. But no. I would have tried it. Yeah, you would have been like, this is too sweet. Yeah. And she had coffee with it. Oh, I'm in. Back on the coffee train here. Well, because the bitterness of the coffee counteracts the over-sweetness of desserts. You have a problem. No. Like, how are you going to have pie without coffee? You just don't have pie. True. You just have cup of coffee. I only had one big thing today of coffee. Wait, like, you, you drank a whole pot? Yeah, I only had six and a half, seven cups, like seven like fluid cups or liquid cups or measured cups, whatever the term is. You drink a whole pot a day. Well, a whole pot is twelve. Today I didn't. Today I only had seven. Seven cups of coffee. Yeah, it's like a tumbler full. It's not that much. Seven tumblers. No, like the like the, the Yeti tumblers. Oh, it's just one of those. Yeah, like it's oh. probably like six cups. Like, if you were to pour it into a mug, how many cups of coffee would it be? I'm thinking like six, five or six. You, so you average between four and eight cups of coffee a day. Like liquid or tumblers. God. Just like, just like, <laughs> if you were gonna take a mug out of your cabinet and you were gonna put it down on the counter, and you took the pot of coffee and you poured the pot of coffee into the cup, into the mug. Sorry, mm-hmm. how many mugs of coffee would you say you drink a day? Probably three. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not a problem. It's just something. I mean, to keep my hand on and keep me sane. You could drink water. Water's boring. Oh, dude, I, um, so I'm still doing this whole 75 hard thing at day 44 today. Nice. Um, I've discovered a new drink, Topo Chico with a splash of Mio in it. Cause I bought some, I bought some Mio, right. For my, um, we're doing a backcountry trip next week and I bought some Mio so I could, you know, get some electrolytes in me while we're, while we're hiking. And, but we have Topo Chico here and I was like, well, you know. I may as well just put some Mio in the Topo Chico. That way it's like a, you know, a soda. And it yeah. pretty much is. It's like Fanta. Hmm. It's pretty nice. Here's my unpopular opinion. What? You don't like Topo Chico? I don't like, I don't like the bubbles. I love bubbles. Wait, to be fair though, like I haven't, this, it's this or flat water for me. <laughs> so I need a little change. You know, there's a song called Topo Chico. It's a country song. It's really good. Is it? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that good. No. Um, But Topo Chico is pretty decent. Yeah. That LaCroix, just any sparkling water, really, man. Just kind of hits the spot. It's pretty refreshing. Mm. No. It's just. Maybe one day we'll get sponsored by Topo Chico. Like, do you drink Topo Chico just out of the bottle? Uh, no, I usually prefer like something flavored. Mm. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I need to spice up the drink a little bit. Like I brought back like 40 LaCroix, flavored LaCroix from the RLTD conference. Mm-hmm. Just because they were trying to get rid of them. 
and that's been my drink of choice for the last couple of weeks. Someone said LaCroix tastes like the feeling of TV static, and I can't unthink that. It's I don't understand what that means, but yeah, um, you know, like those old TVs when you turn them off and you rub your hand on it and it have the I, static. Yes, that's yes. what a Lacroix tastes like. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but um... drink of Lacroix <laughs> and think about your childhood, and you're gonna go, yep, no, there it is. No, I am no. drinking a I'm not TV doing, static. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Riddle of the day, right? What has to be broken before it can be used? Once again, what has to be broken before it can be used? We're going to have the riddle in the description of the podcast down below. You can go ahead and answer it, whatever platform you're on. Um, But as usual, we appreciate you listening. I'm Jack, and this is Dave. Yes, sir. And this is 12 O'Clock Talks, and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you. See ya.